right here because they weigh me out and make sure I don't talk the entire time. This has been one of those weeks where I've been struck by the Lord and I could absolutely talk for an hour and a half about it. But we have a clear message for you this morning. Who's ever considered that God would desire you to walk in full potential? Do you, do you want to walk in full potential? Who walked in their full potential this week? I'm glad you're honest. Amen. We got a good message for you then. The message today, church, is titled, Accompanied by Action. Say accompanied by action. You're going to have to say that louder. Literally, the message is about action today. So what is the name of the message today? Amen. We are knocking off every single bit of like just being subtle and quiet and and waiting for the Lord to do something whenever he's already asked us to do it. We're already past that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, come on. Hasn't it been amazing to live presently in the dreams and promises of God, church? We're fortunate to have received another day, another day to take steps forward toward toward all he has spoken. We're building an altar. A dwelling place for Messiah to come and dwell with his people. Restoring union and intimacy with Christ. Giving our ears to turn towards his commands. We are prioritizing proximity, moving towards pitching our tents on the grounds which he has placed in front of us. Amen. To flourish and to multiply in the community. Is that what we're doing? Yes. And to fellowship with one another as he provides many opportunities for us to work together. Church, like we said, today is titled A Company by Action. And go ahead and turn to Genesis 26 as we get back into the Word this morning. You there? Verse 25, it says, Isaac built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Church, for several weeks, we've been digging into Genesis 26 to see what gold was waiting there for us. And in light of advancement, he is requiring for us as a collective body to be building an altar, pitching our tents. And what we're going to be talking today is digging a well. When we read the scripture, it begins to do a few things for us. First, it causes us to reflect and ask ourselves an honest question. Have I prioritized my life around his altar? Come on, think about that for a minute. The altar is where we go when we get something from the Lord and where we go to lose everything that is causing us to not move forward. The sign of us building an altar and surrounding our whole family around it is that we actually have instruction and we're actually obedient to the instruction that the Father gives. The first question I ask you this morning, as you reflect, have you truly built a lifestyle of being at his altar? Because the altar is where we find sustainable life. The altar is where we find everything that we need so that we don't live an aimless life. Who's ever lived in aimlessness? Where you get up each day and you're not, I'm not sure how I accomplish what God has called me to. Well, you haven't spent enough time at the altar. Because the altar is where all of our selfish ambition goes to die. 
And we gain all ambition that comes from the Father that says, Son, move forward today. Church, I'm tired of not living an altar life. Are you? Yeah. So what are you going to do about it? Secondly, have I made practical steps in moving and setting up our home that lives by the altar and on every word that comes from the place of communion with Abba? Practically speaking, what are you eliminating in your life that is causing you to not live at the altar? As you begin to reflect, what actual steps are you making? Not ethereal steps, not, not words, not feelings, but actual tangible things. Are you doing to move forward and have a no tolerance rule to I'm just going to drift off? No, church, we must live at the altar. Yeah. Isaac bound himself to the altar. And now he's, digging, he's making another one because he came to realize that this was the most beautiful, important, pinnacle moment of his entire life. And it led him to where he was now, leading his servants, leading men to do what? Dig a well. Church, today we're going to talk about digging a well. But don't be fooled. We haven't even started digging yet. But we get to. Amen? Amen. And thirdly, have I actually begun to dig and invest myself in the works of Jesus Christ. This isn't building community. This isn't building kingdom connections. This is building the kingdom of God. With our hands. With the hands that we lifted up in worship. Lord, commit these hands to the actual work. Actual work. A lot of times, the reason why our intercession falls short is because we have no intention to go do something about it. That's true. Lord, change their heart. That's true. Change their mind. Let them have an encounter with you. But we have no intention to be the person that goes and lays our hand on that brother. Yeah. In Jesus' name, be healed. Yeah. In Jesus' name, be healed. Yeah. Church, I'm telling you today, we have to be less talk and more walk. We have to be accompanied by action. Because if we keep singing that Jesus is worthy of our life, but we're not giving our life over to him, then we become hypocrites. Yeah. And it's half the reason nobody wants to go to the church anymore. Yeah. We must be accompanied, accompanied by action. Yes. We must look forward to doing the will of God. We must look forward to every single one of these things because it's our joy. It's our joy. It's our joy. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. Yeah. Now, we have come into... A time here at Remnant Church where it is impossible to ignore the work that God has put before us. Now, we're not just talking about building up Remnant Church as a church. Now, this is going to start to break some of the walls off of your brain, uh, some of the framework where you've thought that the work or the digging of a well that God's given us is to just build up remnant church in this community and its resources or its buildings or anything like that this is just phase two think about that we talked about setting up an altar we talked about building a community or setting up tents around the altar so that makes all of this building of houses, rebuilding houses, remodeling houses, selling houses and everything in that category all just part two of everything we've been talking about as it regards to Isaac and his, the community that was around him. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So I know it's been hard work. I know it's been a lot of stuff going on, but it's not quite the wells that the Lord has for us to dig. Now, 
Some of these things can become difficult because even within the church, imagine that, we can have selfish perspectives that keep us focused on ourselves, keep us focused on my ministry and my calling and my, uh, my anointing and my everything, mine, my, mine, mine. Now, whenever you have a selfish perspective, a lens over everything that you're looking at, it causes you to see people as someone you invite to your church. It causes you to see money as something you use to build just your next building. You see, you see resources or you see time as something to fill up with just another organized meeting. Now, we have to have these things structurally as a church. We have to have training time and growing time and worship time and prophecy time together. And we have to take off a certain lens that causes you and me and Devin and Landon and everybody else to be the center of attention. So to do that for you, we want you to switch any other perspective that you've had other than this. Jesus is Isaac in this story. Jesus set up an altar so that we can come meet with the Father. Jesus set up an altar so that we can come meet with the Father. And then what happened? Even in the Gospels, his own disciples started to encircle themselves around him. We have encircled our lives around him, around the one who set up an opportunity for us to meet with the Father. This becomes a more and more selfless way of life. This looks like selling homes. It looks like moving. It looks like changing careers. It looks like saying, I don't know what all it's going to take, Jesus, but whatever it is, my life is yours. And if this is the work you've given me to do, and even if this is just the training time at the beginning, I want in on all of it. I want every single bit of it. So that requires us to lose a selfish perspective where we want the best of all of it. What if he does give that to you? What if he does give you all that stuff? But what if you come to him with the idea that you are worth every single bit of, like every detail of my life? That will cause you to approach him differently. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, we see the work actually coming to join together. We see people coming to build, rebuild a wall together. You guys go ahead and start turning to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. While you're on your way there, remember the process. Jesus establishes an altar. A community, number two, is built and established together around it. And number three, that community now does the work that lasts for generations. Yeah. Let's establish this now. A well represents a difficult work that brings generational provision, Holy Spirit empowerment, and nourishment. And our announcement to all of you today is he is leading us into the beginning, say beginning, beginnings of this community of people doing mighty works for his glory. Amen. Amen. Are you guys in Nehemiah chapter four? Yeah. All right. Nehemiah chapter four. We're going to go through verse 23, starting in verse 13. It says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, 
Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And stayed, and, excuse me, and each of the builders bore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along this wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding the spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I said also to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by nights and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. That's a long passage. In verse 22, it says, so that they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. When does that leave any time for rest? <laughs> I don't see any time for rest. These are men who are working hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, 24-7, laying down their lives as brothers and sisters and family, we talked about this last week. Where are you? I'm here. I am here. I am unified. I am one with Christ and I am one with my brothers. Amen. Yeah. That's where we are today. With that message in Nehemiah 4 in mind, let's take a look at where we have been in the progression of Genesis 26. Last week we talked about where are you. In Nehemiah, the men were working together to build the community. We, as Remnant Church, have been doing that as well. Amen. We need to make it clear that this is not the same as doing the work of the ministry externally. This is doing the work of the ministry internally within your own family. What we've been doing and what Nehemiah and his men were doing and establishing is they were establishing the foundation of the body of Christ together so that they would have something to launch off of into the actual work that God had called them to do outside of the four walls of their community. That is what we're doing this morning. We are opening ourselves up to what the Lord wants to do and we are walking fully into the promises that he's given us and we will walk in those promises and see the things of the Lord fulfilled. We've been building the infrastructure around the altar. This is the place of preparation, the establishment of God's people, so that next, we together do the work. Yeah. We've spent time together building homes, as Devin said, remodeling building tents around the altar, dwelling places, literally. We built Pastor Micah house in the back. We remodeled the Raybertson household before we sold it. 
We've built this house twice now. We're remodeling Morgan's house so that he can sell it. Amen. And we are moving family after family after family. And church, can Hallelujah. I tell you? Can I tell you day. that although this is phase two in Genesis 26, we are building tents. We do not just get to move on to phase three, digging the well, and then just move past phase two. Because guess what happens when you start digging the well? People come and you have to go back to phase one. You got to go back to phase two and keep walking in phase three. The Lord's been sweet and patient with us as he's teaching us how to do these things well. So that way when we do start working externally and it's coming. Yeah. When we start working externally outside the four walls of this building and this property. And we start putting our faces out on the street. You got a glimpse of it in whatever month that was. March. Thank you that we did the worship nights. You got a glimpse of it. How much more impactful is it going to be when we're settled in the word, when the Lord has given us rhema revelation, and we are standing in the streets of Denton declaring his goodness and his power and his presence, and people's lives are being changed in front of our eyes. Not just 10 people on a lawn, but hundreds and hundreds around us. These are the things that's coming for Remnant Church. These are the things he's preparing us for now, so that as we walk into that time, which is coming right now, we are prepared. Yeah. This is not a move on and you're done. This is get phase one down. Learn how to live at the altar. Build your tents around it. Unify together. Move on to dig the wells and repeat. And bring a new person with you every time and watch the Lord change their life the way he changed yours. Amen? Yeah. At the same time, as we are all getting settled here together, we are all showing up to do the work of the ministry together. Amen. We will not move forward. The Lord will not allow us to move forward if we are not shoulder to shoulder and we are not unified with each other. That, that one, this is what he wants us to do. And two, we say, yes, Lord, I am here wholeheartedly. I am here and ready to move forward to advance your kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn to Psalms 107. Say action when you're there. We're going to start in verse 1. I did not hear very many actions in here. Are you there? Are you there? Are you engaged today? You with us, Avery? You're looking tired, dude. Are you sure? You're awake? Hallelujah. All right. Here's a question for you. Who's ever received a prophecy before? Raise your hand. All right. Here's the next question. What did you do about it? Cried? <laughs> Wrote it down, put it on the shelf. A lot of times we get words that are way off in the future. And a lot of times we like to shelf those. But maybe we should ask the Lord, what should we do about it? What do we do about this, Lord? What did yeah. you do about what you said? Because we're people of action. Amen. Let's read verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. For he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands. Come on, who's been gathered from lands? From the east and the west. From the north and the south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. 
and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord and their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Amen? Amen. He led them by a straight way, a city where they could sell, settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Listen, how beautiful is it to be in a land where we can settle down for a minute? We were sojourners on the earth. We're wanderers. We're, we can't find water. I know, Mom, amen, and in the back, we've been on a journey for 20 years now. But now we're settling down, amen? amen? You guys are too. This is a season where you get to settle down. The reason we read the Psalms to you is because we want to encourage you. This is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. He has taken people from different lands. He brought them to a city where he satisfies their hunger and thirst. And we get to settle down for a minute. Amen. Church, how amazing and as exciting, exciting is it that God has built a community of believers. That the lonely and the destitute can come and finally settle in to becoming all God has intended them to be. This is what we're doing. Nehemiah 4 is what we have been doing. And I'm proud of you. And I am thankful for you. This psalm perfectly captures all that Remnant Church is called to be in this land. For those who hunger for true life. The more and more I've prayed, God is clarifying to me that he has made this community, Remnant Church, to be a launching pad for those who will move forward towards the works of Christ. And it is a great privilege to lead an example, me, lead an example in what it looks like to be moving forward in all of his works. This place is a platform for more. For those who are seeking more out of their life leading to Christ's glorification. Did you know that you were made for more saints? Did you know you were made for great things? Then let's run after them together. This is what this message is about this morning. Running together, running forward, moving forward, being accompanied by action, not just words. We have something worth celebrating. We are no longer orphans, but have been given a good land to settle in. Amen. A dwelling place for those who are far off. Yeah. And we are sons who have been redeemed and have been made to have the mind of Christ. Now we live at the altar. We get to settle in a home. We get to settle in a place. And guess what else? We get to actually start digging the well. Who's ready to dig? Yes. Go ahead and start turning to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We, need to, we felt like we need to give you a reminder of what this thing actually looks like whenever a community called an ecclesia or a church starts getting established by the Lord. There we go. Shout action if you're there. Action. What I like to hear. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. To what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which, it, with, which with it it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. Now, we're excited that as a church, we get to do all of these things together. There are a few important things that the apostle here uh, wrote, and he said, it is that we need to take note of, and that's to attain to the unity of the faith. Attain to the unity of the, the, of the faith. That means it's going to take a little work. Yeah. That means it's going to take some sacrifice along the way to be able to attain a unity of the faith. Yeah. We're not talking about every single person having just faith in general in this room. A unity of the faith. Or attain to the unity of knowledge of Yeshua. That's going where the first one is going to require act, acts of great faith that then inspire others to do acts of great faith. That's first by action. The second one is by teaching. We're going to have to show in our actions and teach with our words and with our scriptures so that we all might attain to the unity of the knowledge of Yeshua. And then the third one he pointed out was to, to maturity or to mature to the measure and the stature of Christ. Let that one soak in. To the measure and to the stature of Christ. That means you are being obedient. You are being mature. Not just in your uh, human behavior, but in the spirit. You are being mature to, to the extent that Jesus is. In a way that it makes you have a stature like the Christ himself. That is what is happening inside of this church. Now, these works are not the works of the ministry. These are not the only works of the ministry. I need you to consider that for a moment. Whenever you think about, well, I think God's called me to pastor his people. I think God's called me to prophesy. I think God's called me to teach. I think God's called me to be an evangelist. I think God's calling me to do these acts of service. Do you only consider those to be preaching, teaching, making disciples, teaching a Bible study, leading a prayer meeting maybe? These are not only the, the works of the ministry. And we want to open up your mind to the idea that that is just building home base. Making disciples in this place is just so we can get to the starting line together. So consider the discipleship that you have gone through these past years is so that we can all approach a starting line together. We are not even there yet. That's not to discourage you. That's to excite you for a future that you have no idea the extent of the world that we're going to touch. The people who people say are absolutely impossible to rescue. We're going to rescue those people. 
the people that are in such destitute poverty that people say there's no matter no matter what you do there you will never be able to affect the poverty that they live in we're going to change those people's lives we're talking about the most demonic places on earth that are under the most disgusting principalities that people say are impossible to affect those are the places we're going to affect we are growing as disciples here in this house. We are growing under the teaching of sound doctrine of the apostles here in this house. We are growing in unity as a community so that we can get to the starting line. Amen. And what we saw through Genesis chapter 26, through the entire Torah, and everywhere else in our Bible but the book of Acts, is, is that the three steps that we see in Isaiah chapter, I mean, not Isaiah, in Genesis chapter 26 concerning Isaac, is that people build an altar, the Lord sets up an opportunity for men to come meet with him. And then people do gather around in a community because there are signs and there are wonders. Jesus said that that is the weakest thing that you could possibly unify yourself around are signs and wonders. Because Jesus said, Great is the faith of those who have believed and not even seen. So, we're talking about an altar, signs and wonders, fire coming down, all these cool things happening. People gather around and then what? What happens after that? Well, almost everywhere else in your Bible, other than the book of Acts, it falls short. Even in the book of Nehemiah, they're rebuilding home base around the temple. And then what happens 450 years later? Jesus shows up to another selfish, self-centered group of people who were intended to get the temple back, get Jerusalem back, and then change the world. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But the apostles changed the pattern. His disciples changed the pattern. You will change the pattern in this generation. As we return back to an effective model where we don't build up property and then we sit here and we rot the rest of our lives. And just sit here and just hope things get better for everywhere. You are the agents that actually change the world. Why are you waiting for your government to do it for you? Why are you waiting for God to go do it on your behalf? He left you here after you got baptized so that you could then go do those works. And so we're just opening up your mind to the possibility that your life is more than sitting in a Bible study. You need to be there so that we can all get to the starting line together. And that's why we encourage you to be at every single church meeting. Not because we're legalistic, not because we think we're better than somebody else or that we know more. Because when we, to attain to the unity of the faith, to the unity of the knowledge of Yeshua and to the maturity and of the measure and stature of Christ, it's going to require for you to be a part of this community and for us to go and do the works that Christ did, set people free from demons, go and redeem the people in the land, to redeem the land itself, to heal even nature along the way. We're going to have to be here together. Do you guys see this? we got many great works ahead. Say action. Action. We have a lot of fun action together in the future, and we want to show you just how important it is in James chapter 2. Y'all start turning there. James chapter 2. Say action when you're there. Action. Action. Church, did you know 
that all actually means all. Did you know that whenever we say we give all to the Lord, it means all? One of the biggest things here today that will propel us forward into all of Christ's works is this. Obedience. Today, I'm just going to take a brief moment to talk about this. We are obedient even unto death. We're obedient even if our preference don't align with it. We are obedient even if our wants don't align with it. We were getting wrecked this week because we understood that we were sitting in a room with brothers who have mushlonka meetings, who do everything together. We live together. We work together. We do everything. We minister together. We pastor together. What else could we do to get unified? Well, we were understanding one thing, that if we were all being honest, we all did have a different want or preference on how this thing should go. Whenever we look at Remnant Church, we expect, well, I want it to be like this, or I want it to be like this, or I want it to be like this. Can I tell you right now, it does not matter what we want. It matters what God wants. How important then is that we have the Holy Spirit, because our preference has to bow at the God, uh, uh, what God is speaking. And obedience is the only way we're going to get through this. Inspiration can only carry you so long. It falls short sometimes because sometimes we get discouraged. But it's obedience that saves us. It's obedience that saves us. It's obedience that propels us. And church, we need to do a better job of obeying what God says. In James 2. What good is it, my brothers, if I claim to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save me? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does, not, uh, does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. If not accompanied by action, is dead. What was today's message about? Being accompanied by action. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God. Good. Even demons believe. And, that, and they shudder. Kaysen and I were talking about this the other day. Kaysen would go to mission trips to Africa, and Islam was doing a way better job of evangelizing, feeding the poor, and all of these things, and it was shaming the Christians. Even the demons believe. I'm sure he'll talk about that more. Sorry, Kaysen. That looks more lit up, right? Yeah, come on. You foolish man. You want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he, what, did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Come on, this is a language that I want to adopt. I want to be God's friend. Yeah. 
I don't want to be a God's slave. I think a lot of times when we start talking about works, everybody thinks legalism and, and slavery and stuff like that. No, like he called Abraham friend here. We can't get past this. this today's message is, is really what it, what it is for us is a, uh, like, we're done. Like, it's time to change message for us. It's like, we no tolerance rule. We don't tolerate this anymore because Abraham didn't tolerate it. He was a friend of God. Do you want to be a friend of God? We can't tolerate sin anymore. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging and spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So faith without works is nothing. What are the works? What are the works? Well, according to the testimony of Abraham, it starts with being obedient to move out of comfort. To move out of your comfort zone, to move out of the same old, same old that you are living day by day until your short and fading life just disappears. You want to live that life the rest of your life? I don't know about you guys. I'm inspired by men like Abraham. I'm inspired by the men and the women in our scriptures who said, the whole world is wasting away in the same old, same old. I'm going to do something crazy and believe that God's word is true and act on it. So number one is obedient to move out of comfort. Number two is to be obedient to building a family and community. Now, to be obedient to get moving and to be obedient to now make it harder on yourself by adding a family to it are two different things. Any of y'all ever gone on vacation with your kids? How'd that go, Lindy? <laughs> You're smiling like there's, like there's a story to it. Now, it's worth it in the end, but along the way, you start questioning, could we have done this vacation without the kids? You start thinking that because family makes things difficult. Family makes things practically more difficult. Guess what, though? This is your opportunity to show that the mission you're on is for Jesus and not for yourself by being willing to make it a little bit more practically difficult if it means that generations get to see you do the works that Jesus called you to do. So whenever you complain about your kids to me, I don't receive it, not one bit. So don't complain about your kids to me. I love your kids. You love your kids. Let's not complain about them and be doing the works that Jesus gave us to do. Because they're a blessing, and they're going to carry the work after you're done. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. That was a passionate tangent there. Oh, the third one is obedient to redeeming the lands outside of our own houses. This is, you did not just see a little pocket of Abraham's people moving throughout the land Canaan, and then that's it. God said, look all around you as he was standing outside the city of Sodom. He said, look all around you. Everywhere that you see is your land. Abraham's like, uh, I mean, I got a few hundred camels, a few hundred sheep, a few hundred servants and friends in my, in my community, in my household. We live in tents. We don't really have like castles or walls or anything. 
how do we do this? They had to believe that what God had spoken to them that would happen would be true. Because at this point, a nomadic, pagan people just got completely turned into a powerhouse family that is obedient to Yahweh and is receiving an inheritance of not just a couple friends and family members, but an entire region. And then, once God establishes them in the region and the generations to come, he says every single nation on this earth is there so that you witness to them my glory and you bring them to me. Is that not incredible? So then, what do we think about from this? Kendall and I were just talking about this two days ago. And we were reminding each other to do not miss out on what is God trying to do something that's good. Don't miss out on what is God trying to do something good. What I know about every person in this room is that you all want to do good things. You want to do what's right. You want to share with people good things. You want to be selfless. You want to do good works. You want to be a kind person. And at the end of it all, if you are doing those things and you are missing what God is telling you to do, and out of a lack of faith, you are not doing the works that show your faith, it proves that your faith is not as valuable as you might think it is. This is a call to action today, and it's an exciting call to action, not particularly a corrective one. We will receive the correction because we have found out that, uh, well, in some ways, we could be doing a better job of being an example of it. Now, on the other hand, we want you to know that you can now watch our lives like through a microscope. And you can see where we fail. You can see where we fall down. You can see where we get back up. And you can watch us repent as we do it because we want to be men and families of action within the kingdom of God. Is that what you want for your family too? Yeah. Then that means that we're going to have to be here together to do it. Amen. We have that altar lifestyle and a community around us so that we can hear from him and execute his instructions together. It is not our job to only continue to convince all of you here in this room to pray, read your Bible, and believe that Jesus meant what he said. Now, I'll say a lot of our discipleship meetings are those. It's like reminding you Jesus meant what he said when he said he loves you. And did you read your Bible this week? Did you pray this week? We, we have got to get past these items. We have got to get past whether or not you're reading your Bible. I mean, this is fundamental, elementary stuff. Whether or not you spent time with Jesus this week, and you actually can say, I sat with him, I talked to him, he talked to me, we had a whole conversation, and I got instruction from him. That's what a normal relationship looks like, right? So like, I can have a friendship with Devin, and I can walk away, and not be so selfish and ignorant that I forgot everything that he said because I can only remember what I said. Okay? So that means if we have an actual good friendship like we do with Jesus, we can walk away and say, okay, I read my Bible. I heard from Jesus this week. We're talking to each other. We're having a good time. My family's unified. We're here. Now we can get to doing these works that God has called us to do. Amen? It is our job to show an example to get up and do the works together that he has called us to do y'all turn to second corinthians eight we're gonna start to slow down a bit and wind this thing down for you 
Say action when you get there. Second Corinthians eight. Sounds like I was saying Ashlyn. Whoa, Ashlyn is a woman of action. Come on. Oh yeah. If y'all know any spirit-filled men of action, let us know. Because they might be a man of for Ashlyn as well. I'm gonna send this message to the one association chat and say on minute 4510, go. Yeah, Ashlyn. Yeah, Ashlyn. Actually, I'll just I'll just text the chat. Hey, do you have any guys for Ashlyn? Hallelujah. Men of action, though. Amen. Are you people of action? Yes. Come on. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. Amen. We love you, Ashley. <laughs> Verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that According to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. I'm going to read verse 3 again. Do not miss it this morning. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support and work of the saints. Are you hungry to get in and do the work this morning? Yes. Weak sauce. Are you hungry to get in and do the work this morning? Yes. Or are you waiting for someone else to do it? No. Just like half of the room for the other half to say yes five seconds ago. Saints, we're either hungry to get in and do the work, or we wait for someone else to do it. There's one wrong answer and one right answer. This morning, we're going to choose the right answer. Saints, Paul is testifying here to the fact that he had people in Macedonia who were begging him for favor to even be allowed to participate. The reality is everyone in this room and even those who are part of this body that are not here today don't even need to ask for allowance or to do anything. They've been given full allowance. They've committed themselves to Jesus. They've committed themselves to this body. They don't need to ask permission to do the work of the Lord or to partner with us and do it. These are men who have to ask because they're not as close as some of us in this room are. And they have to ask. But it says they are begging Paul. They want it that badly that they're going to do everything they can. It says they had some ability, but they wanted, they trusted the Lord that even though they didn't have it, they wanted to do it beyond what they could even handle. And we're not talking about finances this morning which is what some people can see here, and, and they have a point. 
We're talking about your life, not your money. We're talking about your kids and the generations to follow, not what your bank account holds or what you can give to this ministry. We want your life. We want the generations that follow you. That's what King Jesus wants too. And Paul is testifying that he has men that want it so badly that they have to beg and urge him just for favor to allow them in the door to participate in the work of the saints. These men were not waiting for their brothers to get on board. These men were in the trenches with their brothers and sisters, and not only were they in the trenches, they jumped into the trenches at the first opportunity that the Lord gave them, that Paul gave them. We're talking about a hunger and a desire this morning to get down in the trenches and get to work, to get dirty on your hands and knees, getting to work with your brothers and sisters for the glory of God, being abundant in joy. We're going to dig those wells until we strike water together, not you and not us. Your leaders and your pastors are working hand in hand with you to dig the wells until we strike water in this land. Amen. Amen. Church, we read 2 Corinthians 8, and we see a people who are begging to give out of their lack. But let's face it in this room this morning. Be honest, because honesty is, what, uh, is the way that leads to freedom. We don't beg to work. We beg to work less. I beg to work less. This is some of the things I'm repenting. I can speak this way. I'm repenting of this this week. We beg and we dodge to work less. They begged to work more. They felt they, they wanted to do it. It was a joy to them to do it. But the truth is, is most of the room in here doesn't see it as a joy to do it. Okay, so how do we get there? Back to this, obedience. It doesn't matter what you want or even how you feel. It's what God said. It's not what your pastor said. It's what God said. And guess what? You'll learn this principle in marriage. At the beginning, everything's exciting. Everything you want to do, you want to do it all the time. Sometime, at some point, your heart changes. You're like, eh, like, I could go without having that conversation with my wife. I could go without. Okay, and the only way to ever get back to that place of excitement, it takes work. You put in the work so that you gain everything. And a lot of times, whenever we're actually obedient to the Lord outside of our flesh, we start to realize, man, this is actually what true life is. If you sit here today and you do not want to do the work, well, first first and second Samuel, it talks about Gideon 300. They sent the people home who didn't want to go to work. And judges? And judges, they send the people home who didn't want to do the work. I don't want to send anybody home. You send yourself home whenever you don't want to do the work. You don't even come to meetings when you don't want to do the work. Church, obedience is everything accompanied by action. I just, I would love to sit here up here this morning and preach and say, let's just all rally up and get excited. It doesn't work. Because our flesh is weak. It takes work to dig a well. Some days you're not going to want to pick up the shovel. But guess what? You don't get a choice. And that is the grace of God. Is the grace of God. 
Obedience is everything. Obedience to the word of God is everything. And it's the only thing that's going to cause us to be actionable in our life. These people gave out a lack. They had, they had no excuse. They had no excuse. And we could see that if you have a lack of, of desire, God can use it. If you have a lack of joy, even right now, God can still use it. He's just looking for obedience. That's true. Listen, our love, our love for the covenant is what saves us. Our love for the covenant is what saves us. And you know what love for the covenant looks like? It looks like I'm married to Jamie. And if I ever find myself having wicked, adulterous thoughts, my love for the covenant saves me. Because whether my flesh wants it or not, my love for the covenant saves me. Obedience to the covenant saves me. Love doesn't always look like excitement. It just looks like obedience. It looks like action. My love for the covenant saves me, and your love for your covenant should save you by being obedient. That's absolutely true. Gideon's army that was standing with him was a great example that inspired us just in the days past. Because the first question was, whoever is fearful and does not want to go into battle, you may leave now. He didn't condemn them on the way out. He didn't call them fools or cowards, even if they were. He just said, you can go. We want to say that to you today. If you don't feel like you're going to be a people of action that are going to change the world around you. Now, there's a second part to this dismissal of people right because the first one was those who chose in their hearts i want something else other than to be here that was first second the lord said gideon you still have too many people and it's a good problem to have you have too many willing people now gideon for your sake i'm going to whittle this number down to the people who actually go out and fight the battle itself But the other people, they didn't run home. They stayed back at camp. Because you got to have people who are working fields. You have to have people who are making weapons and armor. You have to have people guarding livestock, guarding children and wives. You have to have men who are taking care of things while some are outgoing. But the fact is that everybody's doing the work together. So we will let you know today. Number one, if you are not down for this way of life, you may be dismissed. Because this is the life that God's called us to. Amen. This is the life that God's called us to. Number two is, is that we want all of you to be excited for every single step along the way. That it could be looking like working the fields. It could look like growing a business. It could look like going out and doing evangelism. It could look like creating new ways in our community to save people from the edge of death, from depression, from anxiety, from whatever it is. It just looks like doing the work together. Can you guys see that? Say action. 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 Now, we have one last passage for you, and we're going to stand up together in strength and confidence and everything and end out this day that way. Nope, not yet. We got one more passage, and then we're going to do that. I know. I, I love that. I mean, we... You know what? Let's go ahead and do it. Come on. Those were some men of action. Those were some men of action. Can you tell I'm still learning too? 
God is knocking off every bit of inaction. Lack of action out of my life. First Samuel chapter 22. Just listen to this and receive it if you have not opened up your Bible yet. Chapter 22 verse 1. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Come on, God's house. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress... And everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered there to him and became and he became captain over them. And now there were about 400 men with him. And David went from there to Mitzvah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I know what all God will do for me. But then it says in verse 4, Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad spoke to David. And what does he say? Do not stay in the stronghold. Do not stay in Adullam. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Haret. Immediate obedience. The word of the Lord came to a king who had not even received his crown yet, who was hiding in his stronghold of safety with the brothers that God had given him. And the prophet says to him, it's time to go. So what does he do? He goes. It's time of action. Say it's time to go. Time to go. The Lord is saying to us to not only stay in the stronghold. This is a stronghold. Don't take it as a sinful one. This is the stronghold that God has had us build. A place where family, as it was said in Psalm 107, can come behind the walls and get healed, get nurtured, get their marriages put back together, love kids again, get revelation, receive teaching, get training and equipping. But it is time to move outside of a stronghold. There are people dying and in slavery everywhere out there. And they need you to show up for them. You were brought here in distress, in debt, and in discontent. And he is sending you out. He said, you're going to do greater works. Jesus said, do not say six months until harvest. He said, the harvest is right now. It's plentiful. There just aren't enough people who what? want to do the work there aren't enough people who want to do the work there are plenty of harvest sitting around not enough workers he said you're taking his word in a spirit to every nation come on do you believe that is that exciting to you that he said you are taking his word to every nation he said you're a body that working together will be a city on a hill That people from miles away, from cities and from states away, will see the glowing on the hilltop. And they're going to come running because they heard that families get put back together here. Because they heard that marriages are restored here. They heard that generations get healed here. They hear that people get delivered from the demons here. And so they come running. He said, you're a fisher of men. He said, you're bringing them back to set them in a family. He said... Every nation is going to bow and every nation is going to confess that he is Lord. The difference between now and that moment is you. He said, 
you will make him known among all the nations. You are not just raising up another church in Denton, Texas, remnant church. That's not why we're here. You are building a home and a family. You are going out to the places that everyone else fears. You are going to bring back the lost, the broken, the disheartened, the depressed, and the anxious. You are taking his name, his power, his authority outside of church services. You will be the one who changes the world. The world is waiting for you to show up. The world is waiting for you to show up. Do not give a donation to a nonprofit organization and wait for them to go do it. Do not wait for the opportunity for God to tell you what you must do. You ask him, Lord, what can I do about this? Lord, what should I do about this? I can't wait any longer. I'm stirred in my heart over the state of this world. And I need to hear from you right now. What will you allow me to do about it? I cannot sit here any longer. You are taking his name all over the earth. You will be the ones who change the world one well at a time. Because we don't do that temporary stuff. We don't do that come pass through town, get a little revival service thing. We do the thing where wells get dug and families get provided for for the rest of the generations of this creation. This is what faith accompanied by action looks like. More than church meetings, more than Bible studies, more than worship nights. We are taking all of those things and we are getting equipped and strengthened and excited as a church so that we can go and do everything else and be the answer that the world is waiting for. Is that exciting to you? Come on, say accompanied by action. Lift your hands in prayer. Today, Lord... We say we've had enough of inaction in our life. Today, Lord, we say, Lord, no matter our feelings in the matter, Lord, Lord, we trust that in obedience, Lord God, you will give us the joy that we need along the journey. Lord God, we put a stake in the ground, Lord. Let this be a paradigm shift in this ministry, Lord God. That today, that we would be men of action, Lord. Lord God, we repent right now, Lord God, for areas... Lord, of inaction in our life, Lord, because of our own desires that not, are not aligned with yours, Lord. Lord, today we repent for being selfish, Lord God, but also today we stand excited for what you're going to do. We stand excited for what you're going to do, Lord. Lord God, so we're proclaiming today, Lord, Lord, teach us how to be obedient to your word. Teach us how to be obedient to your voice, Lord God, even unto death, Lord. Lord, we're done. We're done. Lord, uh, we're done not being disciplined, Lord. Lord, we're done, Lord God, not being men of our word, Lord. Lord, men of your word, Lord. We're done. Lord God, help us in our inabilities. Lord, help us when we fail, Lord God. Lord, but we're saying we have a target now. Lord, this world must be saved, Lord God. Lord, let us not be so focused on our own homes, Lord. Our own marriages, Lord God. All these things are falling apart because we're so selfish. Lord, teach us how to trust, Lord God, that these things will get fixed, Lord. Lord, and I'm asking, Lord God, that this church take a turn, Lord God, where, where we're men accompanied by action. Lord, I'm, I'm repenting, Lord God, for wanting to think things out so much so that it becomes spoiled in my life, Lord. 
Lord, I'm asking that you help us hear from you, Lord. Lord, we can't do this unless we hear what you want us to do. So I'm asking, open up our ears, Lord. Lord, that we might be men of action, Lord. Lord, accompanied by your Holy Spirit, Lord. You're always speaking, Lord. Lord, you're always speaking, Lord. Lord, but we also repent for the hundreds of times that we rejected you. The hundreds of times where we did not obey, Lord, when you said, go. Lord, but today we say we will go. Yes, Lord. Isaiah says, whom shall I send and who I go? And we say, here I am, Lord. Yes, Lord. 